Welcome to the Classic Speeches Podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, bringing you treasured talks from 70 years of BYU devotionals. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts, or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. If I could just raise my voice and preach a sermon as Dr. Robinson has just done with his, I would be most happy. It thrilled me to hear the gospel preached, Dr. Robinson, by yourself today. When I was in the seventh grade, I'm not sure quite why, I was encouraged to take a half year of Spanish. When I was called on a mission, I was called to the Spanish-American Mission. I think it had something to do with that half year of Spanish in the seventh grade. My first trainer in the mission field was a young man named Richard Cowan. He grilled me on Spanish verbs until once I told him, Richard, I don't want to hear another Spanish verb today. He smiled at me, and after we had gone about ten feet, he said, conjugate the verb ser. I've never loved a man more than I have Richard Cowan. He is my dear friend and will be my friend forever. Not many years ago, I got another mission call. It was to Bolivia. Sister Hammond said, Why did you take that one half year of Spanish (laughs) in the seventh grade? Isn't it interesting the effect of certain things in your life? Well, I'm grateful to be here with you today, brothers and sisters. I am truly happy to see my family, four of my children, two of them are not here, but four of them are. They have all been students at Brigham Young University. One of them is still a student here, our only son, and we're proud of all of them. I'm grateful to see friends. As we came in the door, I saw so many of you. Some from Rick's College, some from the mission field. President Holland, it is good to see you again. And, of course, President Hafen, with whom I worked for many years at Rick's College. They have come, I believe, to lend their love to me and their spiritual strength on this occasion. Now, this is a devotional assembly. It is a moment for each of us to think of heavenly things, of things that will build our spiritual strength and draw us closer to our Heavenly Father. I realize in part the responsibility that has been placed upon me. Therefore, I humbly seek for the Spirit of the Holy Ghost to be with me today. And I pray that you, too, will sense my needs and my desire 
and let your faith and your prayers be exercised in my behalf. The famous Christian reformer Billy Sunday, an appropriate name, is quoted as having said that the secret to his success was that he started a fire in himself and the people came to watch him burn. I feel that I have come today with a fire in my heart. It is a fire that has been kindled by Jesus Christ. I pray that as the Spirit burns in me, that same Spirit will ignite a fire in you. And the Lord said, Wherefore, he that preacheth and he that receiveth understand one another, and both are edified together. Just a few years ago, while I was laboring in the Lord's missionary service, a wonderful young missionary came to see me. It was very near the end of his mission. He was very depressed. He was saddened by his own perception of personal success. He had imposed upon himself a standard of which he had fallen far short. As he spoke to me, he recounted the difficult time that he had experienced in the MTC. While he was there, his father had died unexpectedly. And for a brief period of time, the elder had, consider, uh, had considered seriously leaving the mission field and returning to his home. But encouraged by a loving mother and spurred on by an individual commitment, he continued his training. And finally, he found himself in the beautiful country of Bolivia. I listened to him as he told me of the initial efforts he had made in his mission to work hard, pray often, follow all the rules, in other words, to be a model missionary, and then, of course, to be rewarded with hundreds of baptisms. That's what every missionary thinks. But unfortunately, The baptisms had not come. Gradually, he began to slacken his pace. He felt that his prayers were not being heard. So why pray? The mission rules seemed somehow to be burdensome. They were restrictive, silly things written by the mission president only to goad and irritate him and the other missionaries, if he only knew. In despair, he finally said, And now I am nobody. What I do won't make any difference. Then searchingly, he quickly added, Will it, President Hammond? For an instant, 
the same questions passed through my mind. Can he really make a difference? Can I? Can anyone? Does it really matter what one man does? And then in my mind's eye, I saw a myriad of people and events. I found myself talking eagerly and enthusiastically. Elder, do you remember a man named Copernicus? (laughs) He looked startled. For more than a millennium, men's ideas about the universe had been cemented in the theories of the Greeks, Ptolemy and Aristotle. That is to say that the earth was the center of the universe. Even the Catholic Church in the 13th century, influenced by Thomas Aquinas, had adopted the Aristotelian view that the earth lies right in the middle of the heavens and is the center of all things. The dreaded Inquisition managed to silence any radical views that might have been expressed contrary to that thought. And then in 1543, Nicholas Copernicus published a new truth that the earth rotates daily on its axis and the planets revolve in orbits around the sun. Of this, Martin Luther is reputed to have said, quote, The fool wants to turn the whole of science, the whole of astronomy, upside down. End of quote. Copernicus did just that. And in so doing, set astronomy free. One man. Just one. And today we are awed into humility by the tremendous scope of the universe. Yes, as all of you know, We measure space by light years. The distance light travels in one year at the rate of 186,282 miles a second. In one year, that's nearly 9 trillion miles. We know that galaxies are as common as blades of grass in a meadow. There are perhaps over a hundred billion of them. There are distant objects known as quasars placed at 10 billion light years away from the earth, which in one second throw out enough energy to supply all the earth's electrical needs for billions of years. Imagine. And of neutron stars, whose matter, if you could obtain it in a teaspoon, 
One teaspoon would weigh over a billion tons. The learning goes on and on and on because of one man, one person. I looked carefully at my elder. He was a little stunned, but he seemed interested. For a moment, he had forgotten himself, and he was listening intently. Therefore, I continued. I know of a man raised in India. He was educated in England as an attorney. He loved his native land and longed for the time that she would be free from the domination of Great Britain. Most of his life he lived in a mud hut that had no electric lights, no running water, nor telephone. You see, in Bolivia, our elders could relate to that. He didn't own an automobile, and he never sought or held a public office. By some who knew him, He was thought to be the most Christ-like person who had ever lived. And yet he was not even a Christian. To India. He was the Mahatma, or the great soul. He described himself as a self-remade man. When Britain was struggling for survival against the Axis powers during the Second World War, some prominent Indian leaders wanted to revolt and to throw off her authority. He said, quote, We will not steal even our independence. End of quote. In his efforts to stop the continual fighting against Pakistan, he often subjected himself to prolonged fasts. During one of those lengthy ordeals, a medical doctor tried to get him to take a small portion of beef broth, to which he commented, quote, Even for life itself, We may not do certain things. There is one course open to me. To die. But never to break my pledge. End of quote. And as they begged him to eat or drink anything, fearing for his life, for his kidneys had begun to fail, He simply said, quote, Life is more than science and God more than chemistry. End of quote. Someone has said, quote, When Cicero speaks, the people say, How eloquent. When Demosthenes speaks, The people shout, come, let us march. 
when this humble Indian went out of his house to walk, thousands followed him. They were willing to submit to death rather than take up arms against their enemies because he, one man, did not believe in violence, but in principles of peace and love. On July 30th, 1948, as Mohandas K. Gandhi hurried to the village prayer ground, blessing the people as he went, a religious fanatic shot him to death. The Mahatma was gone. One man. Yet through his efforts, India was granted freedom, and the entire world knows the name Gandhi. It will live on forever in the annals of time. I smiled at my elder. You see, Elder, there are men who have truly made a difference. But we must use prudence in our study. For it is possible that evil men can also have lasting effect upon their fellow beings. I will tell you of a demented Austrian with a view of total world control who used his evil genius to disrupt the whole earth, plunging the civilized world into war. His powerful armies have created havoc throughout all of Europe. His regime left behind it a path of death and destruction that have had few equals in the history of man. Its racial myth of Aryan supremacy, to which today again we are being subjected, was responsible for the mass murder of over six million Jews and many others of races supposedly inferior to the Germans. The names of the death camps of Dachau, Auschwitz, Buchenwald, and others will long be remembered as a horrible proof of the depth of depravity to which supposedly civilized countries may descend. Such atrocities were instigated by one man Adolf Hitler. He caused himself to be called simply Der Fuhrer. In a pamphlet written of the tragedy of Dachau, the author said, quote, Man cannot trust himself in the hands of man. End of quote. Truly, a man can make a difference. But if he is not guided by the Holy Spirit, 
but rather by the evil one. He may jeopardize all that is sacred in this life and in the life to come. My missionary sat quietly, hardly moving, not speaking. Are you beginning to understand? I asked him pointedly. I believe I am, President, he said. But please don't stop just now. Go on. So I thought for a moment and then I continued. Very well. There are just two others that I would like to tell you about. On December 23rd, 1805, A baby boy was born to Joseph and Lucy Smith. They named him after his father. As he grew and developed in mind and in body, schooled in godly principles by his devoted parents, his inquisitive mind sought for religious truth. In response to his humble pleadings, the most glorious, the most glorious manifestation ever given to man appeared before him. He saw the living God and Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son. Acting upon their admonitions, one boy began the incredible task, think of it, the incredible task of finding a way to preach the gospel restored to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. The progress was slow. The translation of sacred records into the Book of Mormon required considerable time and great effort. There were persecutions, killings, every possible delaying tactic conceivable was employed by Satan to stop the work. But he, having put his hand to the plow, did not look back. There were many who followed him. They were driven from place to place, finding no rest from their tribulations. They relied only on Joseph's leadership and their implicit faith in the Savior of men. When he was... 39 years old. A bloodthirsty mob stormed the jail in Carthage, Illinois, where he had been imprisoned unjustly, shooting him and his brother Hiram to death. His murderers believed that in this way they would stop the work 
which the prophet Joseph had begun. But the work did not stop, for it is the work of the living God today because of one man and his indomitable character for good. The truth is being proclaimed in much of the known world. Of him, Elder John Taylor has said, quote, Joseph Smith, the prophet and seer of the Lord, has done more, save Jesus only, for the salvation of men in this world than any other man that ever lived in it. End of quote. And now, Elder, I come to the last. Yet he is by far the most significant of all. He was born a babe in Bethlehem of old and placed in a manger by his beautiful virgin mother, Mary. He was the firstborn son in the spirit world and the only begotten son of Elohim in the flesh. As he grew, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. At the age of 30, he began a public ministry. To the ancient prophet Nephi, an angel of the Lord said, quote, Look, and behold the condescension of God. And I looked, and I beheld the Redeemer of the world, of whom my father had spoken. And I beheld that he went forth, ministering unto the people, in power and great glory, and the multitudes were gathered together to hear him. And I beheld that they cast him out from among them. And I looked, and I beheld the Lamb of God going forth among the children of men, and I beheld multitudes of people who were sick and who were afflicted with all manner of diseases and with devils and unclean spirits and they were healed by the power of the Lamb of God and the devils and the unclean spirits were cast out and I looked and I beheld the Lamb of God that he was taken by the people yea the Son of the everlasting God was judged of the world. And I saw and bear record. And I, Nephi, saw that he was lifted up upon the cross and slain for the sins 
of the world. To the Nephites on this continent as a resurrected being, he proclaimed, quote, And my Father sent me, that I might be lifted up upon the cross, and after that I had been lifted up upon the cross, that I might draw all men unto me, that as I have been lifted up by men, even so should men be lifted up by the Father to stand before me, to be judged of their works, whether they be good or whether they be evil. And for this cause have I been lifted up. End of quote. All this, all this, precipitated by one thing, His infinite love for all of God's children. The Apostle John said, quote, We love him because he first loved us. End of quote. One man the Son of the eternal God, who submitted himself to all of these things in order that we, you and I, might live again with the hope of eternal life. And now I spoke softly to my young missionary. With all the fervor of my soul, I placed my hand on his, and I said, Are you ready, elder, to go back out into the field of labor? Do you think you can make a difference in the lives of these special Bolivian children of our Heavenly Father? Are you ready to once again take up your cross, follow Him, and feed His sheep? It was apparent that his attitude had begun to change. With a renewed spirit of dedication and tears slipping down his face, he committed himself once again to the work of the Lord. We knelt together in my office in prayer. I humbly blessed him that he would be able to find himself and the way. He'd been weak. And yet I felt an inner confidence in him. 
As I sought to find direction from the Spirit for a new assignment for the elder, I surprised even myself by sending him to one of the most difficult and remote areas in all of Bolivia, a small community near the Argentine border named Bermejo. The work had gone badly there for some time, with only a few baptisms to reinforce the little handful of saints who were discouraged and found it hard to keep the faith. But the Lord and his ways are wonderful to behold. In his weekly reports to me, the missionary told of his diligent efforts to contact the people and preach the gospel to them. He indicated that they were slow to listen, but that he was continuing his faithful stewardship in that part of the Lord's vineyard. And then it happened. Overnight, a small river that runs near the village of Bermejo, fed by heavy rains in the mountains, rose to a height never before known in the history of the land. Homes were swept away in the raging waters and people were drowned. The only bridge connecting the city to the main road was torn from its footings and washed downstream. Communications were destroyed. There was chaos everywhere. And two young Mormon missionaries were caught in the turmoil of death and destruction caused by those flooding waters. And one of them remembered that a man can make a difference. He threw himself into the turbulent waters to rescue many who were drowning. He sought for those buried beneath fallen buildings. To the injured, he gave relief. And to the hungry, he gave succor. And a miracle occurred. He became a hero. He was lauded by the newspapers. His name was spoken over the airwaves. The people mentioned his name with reverence. Those who had previously rejected him and the message that he carried now searched him out. Their doors were open to receive him because they loved him. And they accepted his burning testimony of Jesus Christ and the gospel restored. In the few months that remained of his mission, he brought scores of wonderful people into the church. He saw the men receive the holy priesthood of God. He saw the women become even more lovely as they served in Relief Society. And today, a beautiful white chapel stands in Bermejo, Bolivia. 
And on the Sabbath day, it is full of people who still remember one faithful elder who made a difference. And now I know my time is gone, but I just must say something about you. For just a moment, what can you what can you do to make a difference? Each of those about whom I have spoken paid a, paid a price for their remarkable achievements. It seems that there is always a price, always. May I just suggest a few simple methods that will start you on the road to making a difference? First, first, attend all three of your Sabbath day meetings without fail. There is a tendency to go to priesthood and a sacrament meeting. And to miss Sunday school. It is easy to take children home when they cry. And miss a meeting. Without fail. All three. And then you will be instructed in principle and truth. You will be reminded of sacred baptismal covenants. As you take the Lord's sacrament. And you will be strengthened. Second. Pay your tithings and your offerings. Faithfully. And then you will begin to understand. The purpose for the law of sacrifice. And the law of consecration. Third. Maintain, and oh, brothers and sisters, maintain a resolute firmness in keeping the law of chastity. Then you will be a pure vessel where darkness is removed and where light remains. And fourth, when you are prepared, go to the Lord's house. There you will be taught in the ways of godliness and be prepared to receive a fullness of the priesthood. And fifth, preach the everlasting gospel in word and deed. And then you will share in the joy of a converted soul. And you will understand true joy. And you will win the crown of eternal life. And what difference will you make? The kingdom of God will be strengthened by your membership. Your character will become as strong as blazing steel. 
You will be a source of spiritual wisdom and strength to your family and to many others. And God will love you. As I look at you now, children of Israel, I see the light of truth glowing in your eyes. I know that your desires are good. I pray that you will remember the lives of such men as Copernicus and Gandhi. That you will not forget what evils can be wrought by men such as Adolf Hitler. I beseech you, think often of Joseph Smith and how his life has affected your own. And I humbly, sincerely remind you of the only pure, sinless life that has ever been lived on the earth, that of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I confess to you that I love him. And I witness that he lives and that he loves us. Seek for him. Be like him. He is the way, the light, and the life. And when you find him, you too will make a difference. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You've been listening to the Classic Speeches podcast presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts, including recent speeches, updated weekly with new talks given on BYU campus, as well as other speeches compilations on love and marriage, overcoming adversity, by study and by faith. Come follow me, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.